today's topic is kind of awkward. I don't like talking about this topic very much because it's it's just hard to talk about. It's forgiveness, but I want to take a different look at it than what we normally look at. Most of the time when we hear sermons about forgiveness, we talk about how we should forgive someone and how it impacts them and it impacts us. But I think today what we want to move into is not just the importance of forgiving someone, but how to forgive them and make them a vital part of our lives once again. Today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 45, verses 3 through 11 and verse 15. It says that Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds, and all you have. I will pro provide for you there, because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who, who belong to you will become destitute. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you and thank you for the time that you've given us together today. Father God, help us to, to hear the message and see your presence in all things that happen here today. And Father, I just ask that you send your spirit into this room to be with each and every person gathered here, to touch their hearts and move their lives onto the path that you would have us be on. And Father, I ask that during this time you take from me the desire to speak my own will, but empty me and fill me with your spirit, that only your words would be spoken for the edification of your church. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now most of us remember Joseph from our early Sunday school days. We know him from the story of the coat of many colors. And we know a little bit about his history. And, but one of the things about Joseph was this, was, was he was an exciting kid. And he had wonderful thoughts of life and what the future was to bring for him. 
that was one of the things that got him in trouble was, was he was excited because God came to him one day and, and gave him a vision. And, and he shared that vision with his brothers and his, and his family. And they were not too happy with it, you know, because basically what Joseph said was, well, this is what God has told me, that, that me, the youngest of all, one day all of you will bow before me. And the family became upset. And long story short... His brothers weren't happy with him and, and tried to kill him and then wound up selling him into slavery where he was moved from Canaan into Egypt. And now at Egypt, life started to look a little bit better for Joseph because he became in charge of Potiphar's household and he prospered there. But, well, then Potiphar's wife, well, you know, she, she thought the relationship should be a little bit more than what it was. And when Joseph didn't let that happen, she made false accusations about him and then he was cast into prison. This kid, and the kid he was at that age, has a lot at that point to be angry about. But even after spending time in prison for a crime he didn't commit, it turns out that God had him in the right place at the right time to, to not just prosper, but to save many lives. See, at that time, Pharaoh was having dreams that, that he couldn't make sense out of, and, and his people couldn't interpret the dreams. And, but somebody who had experienced or came in contact with Joseph in prison said, hey, I know this kid, he's, he's locked up in your prison, and he can interpret dreams. So, so Pharaoh summoned him to his court, and, and Joseph came up and interpreted dreams. And basically, long story short, he said to this, there's going to be seven years of prosperity and then seven years of famine coming into your land. So Pharaoh was so impressed with Joseph at that time that he put him in charge of Egypt. Joseph was second only to Pharaoh, the second most powerful person in the entire land. And that's where we're at today in the story of Joseph. He made it through all the adversity and prospered. And no matter what he encountered, he, he always remembered God in all that he did. But the famine had come upon the land. And that famine didn't just impact Egypt, it, it also impacted Canaan. And Joseph's family, who lived in that land, was beginning to run out of food. But Israel, Joseph's father, knew that there was plenty of grain in Egypt. I guess by, by word of mouth that had made it to his land that, that they were prosperous there. So, so he sent ten of his sons. Altogether, there would have been twelve sons. And he sent ten of them to Egypt in search of food. The eleventh, Benjamin, remained with his father. And the twelfth, the one who was, who was presumed to be dead to his father, was Joseph, who resided in Egypt. And Joseph's brothers make their way to Egypt in search of food. 
for their family. And this is the part that I find odd. And this is where we start moving into talking about forgiveness. What is the likelihood that out of the entire population in that land, that those ten brothers would, would walk up that day and stand before the very brother that they had sold into slavery? What is the likelihood of that? It's like today if I was to, to go to the Piggly Wiggly and go in and, and say something or offend someone, do something there, chances are I'm going to walk out of there and never see that person again. But there are times in our lives when, when God brings those people back into our lives. And it's not by accident. It's by divine appointment. It's there for a reason. It happens for a purpose. And that's what was going on with, with Joseph and his brothers at this point, that, that during this time, all these years have passed by, Joseph went through all of this tragedy because of the actions of someone else, and he's standing there today before his brothers, the very ones who caused him all that heartache. And he, the thing I want to point out, first of all, is this. Joseph told them in his vision so many years before that the day is coming that you will bow before me. That's what got him into trouble. And what happens on the day that they go to Egypt in search of food? They stand before Joseph and they bow before him. Isn't that amazing? That God aligned everything in life to a perfect timing that his word to be fulfilled in Joseph's life. But here's what happens. And it happens in our lives just like it did with Joseph's. When the brothers came before him, they did not recognize him as their brother. But Joseph recognized them. And here's what I'm getting at, because we're going to start moving into to talking about the offense and forgiveness here. And it's this, in reality, when, 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 when someone offends us, when someone does something that, that causes us harm or hurts us in some form or fashion, we hold on to that emotion. We hold on to that feeling. We can pinpoint almost exactly that point on the timeline when that occurred and who did it to us. But the people who did it to us have no recollection of it. It didn't bother them, not one bit. They went on with their lives. And that's the, the first thing that we want to come to understand about forgiveness is, is this, and it's something that we've already discussed one time before, is that when someone offends us, let go of it because it's not going to impact them to hold on to it. It's only going to impact us. We choose to hold on to the anger, the bitterness, the frustration, and all that stuff. And we will see that in Joseph's actions here. We're not going to hang on to that, but we, it's important to, to point that out there so that we can understand where Joseph is at in his life. The brothers who offended him are now standing before him or 
more literally bowing before him, as he said, and they don't have a clue as to who he was. But Joseph, the one who was offended, recognizes each and every one of them. And that's what we want to come to understand is that let go of the anger, the frustration, and the aggravation because it only hurts us, not them. But this is what Joseph did. And this is what we need to learn. When we are dealing with those who offend us and they come back into our lives because oftentimes they come back for a purpose. If we go back in time just a little bit, just a couple chapters to chapter 42, this is what Joseph had to say to his brothers. Joseph said to them, it is just as I told you, you were spies. See, when they, when they came before Joseph, he recognized them. He asked why they're here. They said, we're here to get food. He says, no, you're not. You're spies. In other words, what's happening is Joseph is remembering what happened. He remembered the betrayal. He knows their behavior. He knows that what they've done in the past, they can do again. I'm not buying the story. You're not here for food. You're here for another purpose. I know this because you've already done it to me in the past. You'll do it to me again. And that's what Joseph is putting out there. So when people come back into our lives after they've offended us, we want to be wise. We want to forgive. And if the opportunity is right and God has put it upon our heart to bring them back into our lives for whatever reason, we need to ask questions about them. You know what? Because just like the watch that I have here, the watches I have at home that belong to my father, and just like Wyatt who loves his family and wants to protect them we want to protect the blessings that God has given us in life that's why he has written this story to us in part so that we understand that we're going to question why are you back into my life who are you and what are you doing here because chances are just like Joseph, they don't remember us, but we remember you because we remember the pain that you inflicted upon us. We remember the hardship that you inflicted upon us. Joseph isolates the problem. We as Christians are called to forgive and to love, but we are not called to be unwise about our relationships and how we deal with them. We recognize certain behaviors about people. I have patterns that I follow every day, both healthy and unhealthy. And so do you. And sometimes those patterns go to such a, a degree of evil that, that it brings hardship around everyone else. And we don't want those people in certain positions or to have certain abilities. And if it means that we love them from a distance, then we love them from a distance. Because it's not our responsibility to choose how other people live. But it is our responsibility to protect what God has given us. So Joseph said to them, just that, your spies... I don't trust you. I don't believe you. And then he goes on to say, to say this. I'm going to put you to the test. I am going to give you the opportunity to prove to me who you say you are and that you're going to do what you're going to say. Joseph said to them, 
It is just as I told you, you are spies, and this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes to me. Send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you shall be kept in prison so that your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. And if you're not, then surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And he put them all in custody for three days. So he didn't just isolate them. He didn't just identify the problem and isolate it. He put it in a place where it couldn't bring harm to him. Now, he wasn't punishing. And that's what we need to understand, that, that when we're bringing someone back into the fold that has brought harm to us, our mission is not to punish them for what they've done, to forgive. Forgive does not mean to let somebody to continue with repeated behavior to harm us. But he put them somewhere off to the distance to where they could not harm him, and he had power over them. Here's what I think about, and I think a lot about my policing days. I know you're probably tired of hearing my policing stories, but, but we had a young officer that was working with us, and, and he wasn't making healthy decisions out in the field. And it's not that he was a, a bad officer. He just didn't understand correct application of the law, and his people skills were very poor at least. So we as officers isolated ourselves from him until somebody could get control over that situation. If he got a call that we thought was above him or his capabilities, one of us would jump the call and work it for him. Because truth is, we didn't want that officer going to a hot call and then one of us getting physically harmed because of it. So we had to get a supervisor involved. And the supervisor put him on restrictive duty with remedial training until he could learn what it was that he needed to do and how he needed to perform. People have to prove themselves. We can't just take every person at their word, especially when their past behavior has already shown otherwise that they're going to do good and what's beneficial. So Joseph has recognized the problem and contained it until he can work it out. And the next thing that happens is this. And if this doesn't happen in the people that you're dealing with, there should be concern for the journey. Once the brothers were put in prison, they began communicating with one another. And they said to one another, Surely we are being punished because, our, because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life. But we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. Reuben, one of the brothers, replied, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen to me. Now we must give an account for his blood. 
one of the signs that the people who offended us are really and truly wanting to make a change and reconcile is this. There will be a reckoning within their minds of the things that they've done. See, at this point, they're still happening for a reason. And they come to understand that that reasoning is because of what they did to their brother so many years earlier. I think when a person comes to Christ with the reality of the sin that's in their lives, it's where repentance comes in. That, that there's a, an acknowledgement of who we are as a people and, and what And the only way to come to that knowledge is when the Spirit draws us to God. See, the Holy Spirit is known as the Spirit of truth. He doesn't lie to us. And I think just like in our lives, when God speaks to our heart and reveals that truth to us, it's not for punishment. And it's not to to make us feel bad about ourselves but it's to help us to to look to that path, that road that brings hope and healing. See, these brothers, they need to reconcile with Joseph. It's important. And not just so that they find physical nourishment, but for the history of the world in the years to come. If the people in our lives do not have a reckoning, it's not to say that they won't, but it may say that it just hasn't happened yet. But remember this. Joseph still has control over the activity that they have in his life. And I would advise the same. Now we have to give people an opportunity to prove themselves when the time is appropriate. And Joseph recognized that. And this is what Joseph did. Joseph wants to know, are you the same people standing before me today that were the same people that I knew some years ago that were selfish and thought about your own needs and was willing to to bring harm to somebody else just to, to fulfill whatever it is that they wanted to fulfill? Or have they changed and become people of integrity? 
So he put them to the test. It says that, that Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and put each man's silver back in his sack and to give them provisions for their journey. After this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys and they left. So here's what's going on. Do you remember Joseph said that, that I'm going to keep one of you here. This is the deal. I'm going to keep one of you here. I'll, I'll keep all of you here. Nine of you here. One of you goes back, gets my baby brother, brings him back, and then I'll know that you're telling the truth, that you are who you say you are, that you're here for that purpose, that reason. But he, instead of doing that, apparently they didn't want to do that because Joseph put them all in jail, every last one of his brothers. But now he's come before them. And he's saying again this time, same thing. I'll maintain some of you here. One of you go back. And this is what's going to happen. You bring back my brother. I'll know that you are who you say you are. But he changed his plans because they didn't want to agree to that. And that's important to know because of this. We're going to offer somebody the opportunity to do something. And it may not be fitting for them to do. It may not be comfortable for them to do. You may have to offer them a second opportunity, a second path, a second way of proving themselves. We don't just give up on the, the first thing that we threw out there. We don't say, well, do this for me. Show me that I can trust you and if they don't do it turn our back on them think about what it is that we're asking about them and give them the opportunity that might not be an appropriate test for that person let me give you another one so joseph has changed his mind he said this he went to the cell he found simon his brother brought him out of the cell in front of everyone else and bound him and the rest of them were terrified because they knew now that the person that they're dealing with is serious about what's going on. If we don't do what he says, he's going to bind us. So Joseph lets the other nine out, gives them their grain with the sacks full of silver, the silver that they intended to use to buy the grain, and sent them back home. This is where the test of integrity comes in. Not so much that they retrieve the brother and bring it back, I just make somebody do something that they said. But on their journey, they opened up the bags and they saw that the silver was inside the bags. They are thinking now several things, more than likely. Somebody's setting me up for something. I didn't steal this silver, but now that I have it, what am I going to do with it? That's a lot of money. I could keep it for myself. And sometimes when we put people to the test, that's what we want to know is this. What is your level of integrity? Can I trust you to do the right thing even when no one's looking? And I think that's what Joseph was saying here, that I give you this treasure, not just the grain, but, but, but the treasure, and I want to know what you're going to do with it. Have you changed throughout these years? And lo and behold, the, the brothers went home and they explained to the father what was going home. And long story short, they went back to Egypt, not only with the money, the silver that was sent back to them, but with a double portion of it. It was an amazing thing. They learned some lessons in life. And one is this. And it's a hard lesson to learn. Respect those who have authority over you. We may not like it. And we may not like them. And we may not like their ways. But Scripture is clear. 
that when God has placed someone in a position of power and a position of authority, they are not there by accident. They are there because God appointed them to be there and not just for their good, but for our good. And sometimes they have to make decisions that that don't sit well with us. But the reality is, there is a much larger community of people that they have to make decisions about than just my household. Respect the burden that they carry and respect the, requ- the request that they make of you. And they had to learn that from Joseph. They were fearful that Joseph may incarcerate them when they got back to Egypt. But the good news is this, that they were able to go back to Egypt renewed men, that they were able to to go before the one who had all authority to, to take life away from them and stand before him and prove their integrity. We came back with the brother just like you asked. Oh, and by the way, that silver that found its way in our bags, we didn't spend a dime of it. Don't know how it got there. But we know it's yours. And we're returning it to you. It says to them that, that, that they've had some type of experience in life where they grew up and they matured. They started thinking about the consequences of actions instead of just responding immediately to emotion. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When it comes to money, the first thing I would have thought of if I opened up that bag and saw all that silver is going to be what I'm going to buy next. And we did. I had that opportunity for that to be a real thing in my life. One of my officers, one of, uh, one of my best friends at the time, he did a, a traffic stop one night, and some kids were in the car, and the, the kids took off running, and we had to chase them down and catch them. And now we got a car sitting here that, well, the people are being arrested. We have to impound the car because there's no one who's in the area who can immediately come take care of that car. And would you believe that a search of that car turned up over $40,000 in cash? It was hidden in the doors. It was hidden behind the dash. It was hidden up under the seats. And can you honestly understand how tempting it was to sit and look at all that money and not think they won't miss a $1,000 here or there? I'll just be honest with you. We know it was drug money. It didn't come from anything good. No one would have ever missed it. But what we'd be missing is our integrity had we taken it. And that's what we want to know from the people who come into our life. How much integrity do you have? And can I trust you with my life? Now, it sounds like I'm telling us how to live, 
but I'm not. Remember the point here. Joseph is being forced to deal with people who brought harm to him for so many years. And God is asking for Joseph to allow those people back into his lives. And when he saw the change that his brothers had made, something happened within Joseph. I hope you can understand this. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Even though he prospered, he was ridiculed, he was mocked, he was thrown to the garbage, sold into slavery, and imprisoned. That's a lot of baggage to carry. And then to be faced with the ones who caused it all had to be something difficult. The beginning of chapter 45 says this, Then Joseph could no longer contain himself, control himself in front of his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. I look at that and I think about it. Why would Joseph cry out so loudly that he could be heard across the land? And here's what I think. When we carry unforgiveness, it creates a burden for our soul. And sometimes even though we we let it go and we move on our lives, when the people come back into our lives, it rekindles that anger, that passion, that hurt, and that pain. And just like Joseph was having his brother struggle to prove himself, I think that at the same time, God was working on Joseph. Because it's not just enough to let them to come in and just physically live out the acts. I think God was letting Joseph come to the point of understanding that he needed to finally let go. And I think that's what happened when when he cried out and he wept loudly, is that that there was a cleansing when the Holy Spirit came over him, that, that after all these years, I can finally let go of the pain. After all these years, I can finally let go of the struggle. After all these years, God has done a work with inside of me where, where I don't have to think about what was, but I can live in today with what is with those who caused it for my life. 
And that takes a willing heart and a willing mind and a powerful act of God to cleanse a person from that suffering. And I think that if we follow those examples when we deal with those people as they come back into our lives, that we may get to say like Joseph did, that we may get to to look back over the past at the, the much bigger picture and see how the pieces of the puzzle all came together and say this. No matter what happened, everything happened for a purpose and a reason in accordance to the will of God. Joseph said, God sent me here ahead of you that lives may be saved. Not just the lives of his brother and his father. But the lives of the Egyptians as they fought through the famine. And to create a covenant people that would usher in the coming of the Messiah. Now, I know that's a lot to take in. But always remember that sometimes God asks us to do the impossible. To love, to forgive, and sometimes to bring back into the family of friends, of loved ones, of community. To give opportunities to those who probably don't deserve for our good and for the benefit of the kingdom. Because when people see us living out forgiveness in our lives, they may experience forgiveness in their lives with God. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for this time that you have given us. And Father, we leave here today. Help us to look within ourselves and see the opportunities that you have given us to, to forgive those who have sinned against us, Father God. And as we move into these relationships that, that you may bring to us where, where we're asked to not just forgive, but, but to, to forgive and love, to bring back in, give us the wisdom, Father God, to discern when that is appropriate. And give us the wisdom, Father, to discern also that when we should protect what you have given us and, and not let those people in that would bring harm. But when they come in, give us the wisdom and the patience to work with and help us to see how you are working within us to take from us pain and sorrow that we can celebrate your gift of love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May grace, mercy, and peace which come from God our Father and from Jesus Christ's Son be with us who live in truth and love. Amen.